This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's a Shasha story. Life Beats beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. Yeah, happy World Pasta Day. Coming up this hour, we hear from top chefs as to why making your own pasta at home from scratch is such a great experience. And their top tips on how you know you've done it right. It's actually a lot easier than you think. And uh, just think of that glorious, gorgeous bowl of fresh pasta at the end. Oh, I tell you, the joy of carbs today. Plus, we hear from entrepreneur, charity campaigner, world record holder, and Paralympic ski racer, Heather Mills. I caught up with her this week at the World CEO Forum. Uh, She turned vegan 25 years ago before anyone even knew what that was. And I asked her why she did it back then and why she's been trying to help more people, including elite athletes, become vegan ever since. That's coming up this hour on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Talk about radio? It's Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, happy World Pasta Day. It's the 20th annual World Pasta Day. Mikhail, my fellow foodie, is with me in the studio this morning to celebrate. Hello uh, there. Pretty much one of the most delightful, satisfying, versatile c- carbs ever created. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan, Mr. Mikhail? I'm a huge fan. When I hear pasta, I just I get a little you go yes, a little fuzzy in, in the in, inside. You know, I just like damn, I'm, I'm a little hungry now. <laughs> Even though you may not have been a moment ago, now you're hungry. Mm-hmm. I like it. Do you know what's interesting? Do we know? Do you know where pasta originated from? I know it's not from Italy. A lot of people say, you know, pasta, pizza comes from Italy. But I, I, I actually do remember my mother telling me it's, uh, it's it came from the Chinese. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're spot on. It originates in China or Greece. I mean, I don't know how you get China or Greece, but uh, apparently it's a myth that the concept of combining flour and water uh, was brought to Italy by Marco Polo when he returned from China in the 13th century. That is a myth. That actually uh, makes makes a little sense, though. But, yeah, so uh, apparently that's not true. Um, but utensils used for making pasta have been found in Etruscan tombs. And South Ita- the South Italians claim that it was introduced to Sicily by the Arabs. Wow. Apparently. Uh, But still, Italy is, of course, king of all pasta because of the way uh, that they have really developed it Mm -hmm. uh, in in terms of manufacturing techniques, the culinary combinations, the endless culinary combinations of creating amazing pasta. Yeah. Um, But do you know what's really funny? Tell me. Um, This was back in 1957, April 1st. 1957, the BBC made everyone believe that spaghetti grows on trees. They created an actual video (laughs) back in 1957. It is so funny. All about, you know, the spring is upon us um, and spaghetti is uh, growing on the trees. People uh, can get easily, um, they can easily believe anything. 
reminds me of the the world uh, war of the world radio um, right. talk show when it came I mean, out exactly i mean this is all still from a time when it was all very exotic still mm-hmm. you know to have spaghetti now it's like everybody has it it is one of those cheap and easy and wonderful yeah. dishes that you can have mm-hmm. but i want to ask you what is your favorite pasta how do you have it um <laughs> Well, there's a couple, but I do like um, I do like a, a nice traditional spaghetti mm-hmm. with um, with um, spaghetti bolognese. B- yeah. Spaghetti bolognese with a little bit of cheddar. I like to do three layer cheese, cheddar, Whoa. cheddar, parmesan, and matzah. Wow. Yeah. You you don't hold back on the cheese, man. You, just it's the only way you can eat it. Okay. <laughs> in my opinion. All right. Do you put it like under the griller, like slightly, to get it just you know bubbling a little bit? Yes. Yes. Oh and sometimes goodness. when I'm doing the bechamel, I do it that way as well. Wow. I love it. I'm coming over to your house tonight <laughs> for dinner. Um, you've got my mouth watering already. Um, but there are so many different ways to eat an amazing bowl of pasta. Yeah. But have you ever made it from scratch yourself? The pasta itself? Mm-hmm. Never, actually. I've, uh, I've watched a lot of videos. Gordon Ramsay, for example. You know, um, It really is an art, and it requires a lot of love and work to go, you know. You know it's simpler than you think. It does require love, but you know, it's all about the feel and the texture. Let's listen now to um, uh, Andrew Ria uh, from Basics with Babish. He gives us his take. Oh, actually, I know this guy. On yeah. how to make pasta dough at home. This is very cool. Okay, so we're going to start off by making pasta entirely by hand, no machines involved, grandma-style fork and egg, the whole deal. We're not going to measure anything either. This is something that you do by feel. I'm going to start by making a mound of flour on my countertop that I'm going to make a well in that I can crack two eggs inside of, two to three eggs, depending on how much pasta you want to make, and a little drizzle of olive oil, optionally, a little bit of salt. Then grab your fork and get to beating those eggs like you're making a Sunday omelet. We want to be picking up little bits of flour every time with every stroke of the fork, dumping little bits more in there as necessary. Once it starts to get too sticky to beat with a fork, grab a bench scraper and start folding everything towards the center. You can do this with your hands, but it's a much more messy operation. Once a shaggy dough starts to form, we're going to start kneading by hand for a solid 10 minutes. I hope it was leg day at the gym because you're going to get a little bit of an upper body workout. We're talking 10 minutes of pressing this guy into the countertop. And you can see that there's a bunch of leftover flour. That's totally okay. We're trying to incorporate enough flour so we get a dough that about the consistency of Play-Doh. We want it tacky but not sticky, smooth, supple, elastic. This is a great recipe to start learning how to not follow a recipe and do things by look and feel and smell and touch. Anyway, we're wrapping this guy in plastic wrap and letting him sit at room temperature for at least 30 minutes. We want to let the gluten relax a little bit before we start rolling it out. In the meantime, I'm going to make another kind of pasta dough, a semolina pasta that is going to be half all-purpose flour, half semolina flour. This is going to result in a slightly different flavor, color, and texture, and is yet another example of how you're going to put your own spin on this recipe. Just as before, we're dumping the flour out onto the worktop, making a little mound, making a crater in the center, dumping our eggs in, adding a little bit of olive oil. And while we're starting the dough the same way, we're going to finish it this time just for fun in a pasta machine. Got to make sure that we're covering as many techniques as possible, but this doesn't get us out of kneading duty. So same deal as before, we're beating our egg with a fork until it can't be forked no more. 
using our bench scraper to scrape everything into the center and kneading rigorously for 10 minutes. Get creative, throw an elbow drop in there and cease the kneading once the dough has become smooth and elastic. Wrap in plastic wrap, you'll notice that I'm trying to get as little air in there as possible. Air in this situation is going to ruin your pasta dough. All right, so while that guy is resting for 30 minutes, let's get down to the old school by hand pasta dough. The first thing we're gonna do is liberally flour everything. The pasta, your hands, the work surface, your rolling pen, your hair, your shoes, your dog, your cat, your goldfish. Then for a relatively small piece of dough like this one, we're gonna cut it in half. If it's a little bit bigger, if you used four or five eggs, cut it into quarters. And now it's time to start gently rolling it out. We're gonna start by doing what we would do if we were using a pasta machine, which is laminating the dough a little bit, rolling it out, folding it into thirds, turning it 90 degrees, rolling it out again, folding it into thirds, maybe three times total before we start going for the big roll. That is, rolling it out until it's nice and thin, thin enough, that you can almost see your hand through it. From here, you could make lasagna noodles or filled pasta like ravioli or tortellini, but I'm gonna go simple today by loosely rolling up the dough and cutting it into nice, wide fettuccine. Get a little sawing action in there with your knife because you don't wanna press straight down because you're going to pinch the pasta together. If you find that once you're done cutting, your noodles aren't unfurling properly, just dust the dough sheet with a bit more flour before rolling it up. Now we're going to unfurl all of our noodles to make sure none of them have stuck together. Then once we've got everybody all unwound, we're going to lift up the noodles and toss them with a little bit of flour to make sure that they don't stick together. Make sure each strand is individually coated in flour and there you have it. Fettuccine made entirely by hand. Hang to dry or place under plastic wrap until ready to use. Now it's time to get cranking, so to speak with our pasta maker. Start similarly by dusting half of the dough with flour and laminating at least once before running through the machine. Then with the pasta machine on its widest setting, it's time to start running it through. This machine's widest setting is seven, so I wanna get it down to about a two or a three. That means we're running it through four to five times. Now it's gonna start getting pretty long halfway through the rolling process, so I recommend cutting it into two pieces and starting to work with those individually. And you can see on the thinnest setting that I wanna put it through, I think this is a two. It is thin and beautiful, just like the stuff we rolled out by hand. But we have an advantage here, it's a bit more uniform than what we can do with a rolling pin. So it makes it better for ravioli or for filled pastas where you need very exact dimensions. And there you go, that is uh, making pasta from scratch. And uh, it's actually a lot easier than you think, don't you think, uh, Mikhail? Would oh, you be willing to try it? Get I, your hands a bit dirty? Yeah, why not? Actually, yeah. uh, I, when I do pizza, I do it all from scratch. So it's almost the same thing, just with eggs. So, exactly. Yeah. It I is so simple. It. Bit of flour, some eggs, a little bit of olive oil to get it nice and silky, mm -hmm. uh, salt and pepper, and you're in. A little arm grease, and you're you're good to go. That's it. So, like you said, you know, make sure it, it was leg day at the gym because you can your arms are gonna get a little bit of workout. Interestingly, there are some chefs who just put the whole thing into a food processor and they're like, it's done, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and they don't put in the elbow grease and they're like, it's the same thing. So just do it that way. Um, that is something, that's a great thing to do um, on the weekend. And coming up next, uh, Chef Thomas Keller, uh, one of the, the best chefs in America, um, he actually has a, a trick uh, for knowing exactly when it's done. Because if you've never done it before, you're like, so what's the right consistency? He tells us. And so as well as that, You've now made your pasta dough. You have to cook it in a beautiful sauce. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to be going through uh, some of the the best, the simplest, but the best. That's the great thing about pasta. It takes no time at all to make a really incredible pasta dish. That's coming up 
on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Talking World Pasta Day today, uh, one of our favorite dishes ever. I can say that for sure for myself. Uh, Mikhail, what about you? I'm actually getting hungry by the minute. <laughs> Just listening to all of this pasta. This is talk. not helping, is it? It doesn't. <laughs> Do you know? Um, you know, everybody loves pasta. Everybody loves a good bowl of pasta, and there are so many different ways to make it, right? Because there are lots of different kinds. Do you know how many different types of pasta there are in the world? I'd like to say over a hundred. Oh, well but over 100. But that's like an understatement. That's conservative, man. <laughs> 600. 600, wow. Types of pasta shapes worldwide. Um, but this is interesting because I never thought about what the names actually mean. So what does spaghetti mean? Do you know? Um, well, actually, uh, in the beginning, I guess it was just something long and uh, <laughs> long and wavy. That's yes, <laughs> yes, good guess. Uh, it means strings. Uh, vermicelli means... Vermicelli. Oh, forgot that one. <laughs> that's the really thin one, right? Yeah. Um, it means small worms. Small worms. <laughs> Not very appetizing. Um, farfalle, farfalle. Uh, means... Sounds like something that's flying. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Nice one. Butterflies. You know, that butterfly. I guess yeah. it's like that. It's actually, it looks like a bow tie. It I always does, think actually. Yeah. that it looks like a bow tie. So mm -hmm. that maybe they should have called it a bow tie. Um, Orecchiette. Do you know what that means? Sounds fancy. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> it means small ears. Small ears. Okay, uh, that's concerning. You know why why the orakieta is great? Tell me. They kind of look like small ears, but they look like little shells. So. Oh yes, yes, yes. So yes. you know they fit perfectly on the tip of your tongue. Mm -hmm. They cradle the sauce. Yes. So when you mix them with the sauce, that's what that's what I love about pasta that yeah. kind of mops up the sauce or sucks it up or holds it in some mm -hmm. way and then it's just like more flavor just a in your burst mouth of flavor into your mouth once yes, you eat it right um linguini do you know what that means linguini that's my favorite type of pasta and i didn't know what that what it meant so well, i can't tell you man and think linguini language linguini language something thick. tongue tongue oh okay. it means little tongues um, and ravioli. This this is funny. Ravioli. 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 What's in the pocketoli? <laughs> That's how I remember. It's like a it's like a pocket pasta. Yes. You know, it just pockets what are the meat or sauce. Exactly. That's in there. Pockets yeah. of flavor. It could be cheese. It could be meat. It could be anything that's in there. Truffle. Mm -hmm. All kinds of things. What do you think ravioli means? It doesn't mean pocket. Ooh. Uh, it means turnips. Turnips. I know. That's so. I have no idea. I know, but you know, like, so I think pasta has got to be, you kind of, I, I pick my pasta, I like something that's long, mm -hmm. that I can twirl around my fork, Yeah. but it has to, I, I don't buy spaghetti, I don't do spaghetti, because it's like thin and, and round, 
And I like the linguine because mm-hmm. it's got that flat edge, so it kind of mops up the sauce better. Yeah. But it's not too wide like fettuccine it's or tagliatelle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just, that's my favorite thing. Do you have a favorite one? Um, fettuccine and uh, I, I got to go for the classic spaghetti and lasagna. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're talking about uh, sauces. We're going to be talking about the best sauces to, to pair it with in just a sec. Um, but I love this from Gordon Ramsay. He talks about why we should all be making our own pasta from scratch. A, it's cheap um, to make. B, it's incredibly uh, rewarding and diverse, whether it's uh, tagliatelle or a ravioli or tortellini or lasagna or cannelloni. It's surprisingly rewarding to make yeah. pasta. I have no idea where that comes from. Yeah, but you lose yourself in it. You know, so it's, you know, it's that moment where there's no distractions and it's you, it's texture, it's the feel, the understanding, and it's like making bread. So it's put together easily. Uh, it's an amazing thing to accomplish. And it's a great thing to sort of roll. And you put it through the machine, you start off with this little ball, and you know, 20 minutes later, you've got this you know, 10, 15 meter incredible sheet of silk, incredible pasta. So again, it's just giving yourself that time, dedicating an hour once or twice a week, and sort of getting confident at it. And you know, we could all make pasta here uh, with the exact same ingredients, but we'll end up with a different ball of pasta, depending on the love, texture the, the the working of it and so uh, i've made thousands of them and it's an amazing way to uh, educate and find that level of confidence when you need a touch of egg a touch more olive oil a little bit more seasoning second time infusing it with saffron fresh parsley and making it a little bit more different than you did last time and then you enjoy eating it better no disrespect if we were to eat it and we made it it's going to taste so much tastier because you've manipulated the whole thing that's the thing. I, I feel like now, because I've, uh, you know, I've watched these videos and I've watched chefs make it. I feel like I could do it. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon? Yeah. It, it just seems possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got the whole kitchen set and all. And you just put a puddle of flour on, on your workbench. You, you make a well. You put your eggs in. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit of the, the oil. You, you start mixing it up together. And then magic happens. I'm di- I think this, is be, this would be a great thing to make with your kids. So I'm going to try and make it with my kids on the weekend. Actually, uh, probably with my sisters. I'll there see, you go. I'll see what I can do. I think something is going to happen, and you got to tell me on Sunday what All happens right. with it, okay? All right, definitely. Um, but uh, do you know, if you've never done it before, you kind of think to yourself, well, how do I really know it's done? Mm-hmm. Chef Thomas Keller has the secret. One of my fondest memories was my trip to Piemonte, and I would wake up early in the morning from jet lag and... We go down and make pasta with with the grandmother, the Nona, and she would make dough every day. And she didn't have she didn't necessarily have a recipe. She would put her eggs in it. We would make it together, and then she would touch the pasta, and then she would touch her earlobe, and that was the that was the feeling that she wanted her pasta dough to have was the same um, suppleness of her of her earlobe. It's that simple. Just Hang on, there you go. <laughs> wow, that changes touch, everything, actually. Right? Touch mm-hmm. your earlobe and touch the pasta and then feel that kind texture, of yeah. texture, consistency. Then you'll know you've got the right consistency Wow. from the grandmothers. Because every time I see somebody making it by hand, they go, you know, Nonna used to make it like this. It's the grandmother's way of making it. Um, but, you know, just some of the easiest and most beautiful ways of, of cooking it. A bit of garlic, a bit of olive oil, a bit of lemon, and a bit of parsley. Mm-hmm. Just whip it up in the pan, heat it up together. Whatever pasta you've got, unbelievable. I'll definitely remember that for the rest Mind of my life. Mind-blowing, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is one way to make it.
Um, another way to make it is uh, the classic carbonara. Don't know that one. <laughs> it's, you know, it's creamy, but people think that there's cream in it. There isn't cream. It's kind of, it's combining the pasta with a bit of egg, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of whip up the hot pasta with the egg really, really, really fast. And then it becomes creamy. And there's the, a little bit of that pasta, pasta water. And people chuck it out, but actually you should keep it. Why? Because it's got the starch in there and it helps you create a sauce. Wow. So if you're making it with a tomato sauce, if you're making it with, um, I love the pink sauce because, you know, you've got the tomato in there, mm -hmm. but it, you take the, the acidic edge off with a bit of cream and it just is divine. Uh, that's actually what I've got for lunch today. Oh, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> You're most welcome to have some as well. Maybe a little bit. Mikhail. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let us know what your favorite way of preparing it is. Uh, and uh, definitely, I'm going to be trying to make pasta. That's for sure. Let Likewise. us know if you've done it, if you're going to try it. Uh, it is International Pasta Day, World Pasta Day today. Coming up next, we are going to be hearing from uh, Heather Mills um, all about why she went vegan and why she wants everybody else to do it too. That's coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, welcome back to Life Beats. And this week I caught up with entrepreneur, charity campaigner, world record holder and Paralympic ski racer, amongst many other things, Heather Mills. She was in the UAE at the World CEO Forum talking about how she thinks the trillion dollar health problem can be fixed by a simple change in diet. Heather believes that going vegan is the answer, which is why she established her own vegan food company, V-Bites. 25 years ago, I started out by asking her why she went vegan in the first place. I was hit by a police motorcycle and lost my leg, crushed my pelvis, punctured my lung. Bizarrely, after having worked on the front line in the war in the former Yugoslavia and didn't get knocked over or shot or blown up by a landmine then, and um, I ended up in hospital. I had infection in the leg. They kept chopping it more and more. They're going to take my knee. Um, my girlfriend ran in and said, I'm going to get you out of here. You've got to go vegan. I was like, vegan, what is that, 25 years ago? And she said, you just don't have anything from animals. And of course- 25 years ago, nobody was talking about veganism. No, but she was. And she said, I've cured myself of breast cancer. And I went, oh, don't be so ridiculous. But she said, just please try it. And I'd been in the hospital for months on every antibiotic, couldn't get rid of the infection. So she dragged me off to this place called Hippocrates in West Palm Beach in America. And they just shoved wheatgrass juice and chlorophyll and spirulina and everything everywhere and in two weeks I was healed and then I went whoa so I became raw vegan for two years to get all the antibiotics and all the junk out of myself because of course that's one of the biggest concerns now that doctors have that we're be becoming antibiotic resistant, resistant because of it, all the dairy being pumped with antibiotics uh, and all the cows and the cattle and you know cow is meant to give its baby the milk because it has a natural IGF growth factor hormone so even if it's organic it's still not good but I missed, after two years, I missed just having dinner with people that wasn't cold in England. You know, I wanted some cooked food. Of course, comfort food. And then as I got older and I realized my hydrochloric acid levels were dropping, I couldn't digest raw foods and salads the way I had. And I started to get severe acid reflux. Why is that important, the hydrochloric acid and 
Hydrochloric acid is what we have a lot of when we're younger and we can digest most things very well. But as we get older, we get less from stress, from different things. So if you imagine everyone takes Gaviscon, antacids, PPIs, worst thing they could do is just pour an alkaline on an acid. And what you have to actually do is pour more acid on it that stops the food from fermenting. Um, otherwise, it sits like a rotten, stinking compost because you need acid. It's nice to have the body in a state of alkaline equilibrium, but you need acid when you're digesting. Otherwise, it ferments, you bloat, you're gassed, you're uncomfortable. People get diarrhea, constipation, and so and so. So a lot of people don't quite understand that. So the best way is to get a lemon, squeeze it in water. When you've had your food, drink really concentrated lemon. If that feels soothing, but not enough, then you need to get from a health food store a hydrochloric acid capsule for a no digestive idea. enzyme. You always hear the opposite, that you should no. lower the, the amount of acid that you have. No, you need more acid. You need to absolutely... Well, you imagine you've got a bit of broccoli, you stick it in the pan, half of it's boiled, the other half's rock hard. It's not digesting. It's the same when it goes in your stomach. You need to pour more acid on it. And then that will disintegrate it. And Because the best food in the world, if it's fermenting, creating gas and discomfort... You're not getting any vitamins and minerals from it anyway. It's just a rotten, stinking compost. So this is what simple solutions for big problems. So that then you thought, I want to have a life. I want to eat proper food. Yeah. But it's got to be vegan. Yeah. But I wanted to have a burger. You know, I, I was like, I want to sit with friends and and watch the baseball and just have a burger. We'd love a good piece of meat. Yeah. And so I just started to develop um, at that time soy burgers because the market wasn't big enough to do pea protein. Pea protein is three times more expensive to manufacture. Um, and then I did coconut based cheeses as well as soy cheeses, and I just started developing. Then I really missed fish, so I made like a fish fillet. McDonald's style, but with um, algal oil in it, and just developed. And now we've got 540 products at V-Bites all around the world in 24 countries. Here in the UAE as well, it, some, it's something, veganism is something that we're hearing about more and more, um, particularly now there are restaurants opening up and uh, that are producing these products beyond burgers here now. Um, and so there's this whole like for like thing, but is it enough to kind of turn people who are so used to um, you know, having the original to yeah. something that's vegan? Well, that's why we did 540 products. And you've got these small companies like Beyond Meat Burger who do quite a good burger. We always win the competition against them in the rest of Europe. <laughs> products like that that come here, we're really pleased about. But it's, it's, it's proven to be so popular um, that people want more breadth. You know, so we do chorizos, cheeses, fish, everything. And it has to taste great. And the problem is there is a percentage of foods out there that taste awful. And please try different brands because if you try a bad brand, people just don't go back. That's so it. I just they wish, think it all tastes like that. I wish the supermarket people would literally be blown away by a product before they put it on their shelf because otherwise the consumer thinks that's all that's available yeah. and goes, no way am I going vegan. Right. Um, and what's really interesting, I've been doing a, a makeup range, a vegan makeup range, because a lot of people don't realize that there are elements of pig in their makeup. And they're putting it all over their face and against their beliefs, not knowing what's in there. So we're basically creating a whole make, vegan makeup range. We've done vegan shoe range, so it's got no leather in it. So it's about making it easy for the consumer to make choices of the lifestyle they want. Coming up next, Heather tells me why she is trying to help elite athletes go vegan as well and what a difference 
it could make to the lives of ordinary people. That's coming up next on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, I'm in conversation with Heather Mills, the entrepreneur, charity campaigner, world record holder and Paralympic ski racer, uh, amongst many other things. An amazing woman who's done so much about why she went vegan. And here she tells me why she is helping others to do the same. For you, it healed you when you went vegan. How much of a difference can it really make to people's lives if they go vegan? Cause well, we've got the scientific proof, and the only reason I went to, to study was to argue what I already knew, but to have letters after my name, so people went, oh, she must know what she's talking about. I learned nothing when I was studying, I knew it all before, but it's proven, my professor, Professor Colin Campbell, wrote the China study, and uh, it was a 30-year study between America, UK, and China, wondering why Chinese, the Chinese didn't get sick like us until we took the fast food there. And he came from a dairy background, wanted it to be that dairy was good for you and was horrified. The end of data showed after 30 years that dairy was the worst thing you could possibly have. So the evidence is there that he believes that you can turn cancer cells on and off by adding plant-based or taking it away and having more meat and dairy. And literally, it's as simple as that. We all have different illnesses in our cells. While our immune system is ultimately at its best, we don't get sick. And different things make us sick, environmental stresses, everything. But it's all down to nutrition. Because while you are putting good food in your body, you are helping your mental health. You know, serotonin is made in the stomach mainly. And when you don't have a good stomach system, you your moods are affected. So if people really touch in to how they feel after they've eaten something and actually go, wow, I really don't feel good. And the digestive system takes so much work. So when you're eating, all your spring cleaning is going on hold. That's why people do toxins. Yeah. So um, And now you're helping athletes as well. Loads to give of athletes. Up dairy. Yeah. What kind of a difference is it making for them? It's made a huge difference. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Some of the top athletes in the world could never tell their coaches they've been vegan for a long time. When you're running or skiing or you know motor racing for a company, you're sponsored by unhealthy companies. And there's no way you can say you're vegan because your team will lose their sponsorship. But now it's starting that there's some big players in the vegan sector. Those players can start sponsoring. You know, instead of McDonald's and Coca-Cola sponsoring the Olympics, it can be V-Bites, ultimately, if people start all buying the product. And then that's a great message for kids because what is the message of telling kids to go and have junk food and, uh, you know, Coca-Cola? It's crazy. You've done some incredible things to date. You know, you're an elite athlete, you're a, a ski speed champion. What drives you? How do you how do you keep wanting to achieve and keep going? Because I genuinely care. And it's probably the, the thing that I wish I didn't care so much. It's been the bane of my life. You know, I try and and, and, and remove myself and actually go you can't fix everything just take a step back and then i see people procrastinate and 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 corporations create harm and you know and 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 there's simple solutions there's so many simple solutions and i see it clearly and i'm like why can't you just see that you can make big business by keeping people healthy healthcare you know your bill will go right down if you encourage your employees to eat healthy you provide good food for them you know why can't you look out side and look think long term rather than the short picture 
Um, so what drives me is I care too much and I have a very simple mind with the exact solutions for whatever the problems are in any arena that keeps it correct, ethical, justice, just what's right. And uh, so you've got a daughter as well. She's 14 now. 14, yeah. And Vegan whole life. Never vegan. been sick, never ever had a cold. And all the parents laughing at me saying, oh, your kid's going to die. And now they're all... Uh, what does your kid have and why is your kid not sick and why is your kid the fastest smartest tallest da, 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 in the school and I'm like because it's a vegan grow bag try it so what do you tell her how do you inspire her well I, I don't say anything it's just it's being organic so all I did was I never said you have to be vegan I said you can not be vegan it's your life but I just fed her and the kids all the friends great food they'd come around I opened cafes um, with vegan cupcakes, stevia based, you know, burgers, pizzas, everything that was healthy, and just they love it. Because that's the most important thing. It's got to taste good. Has to taste amazing. In life, you want to enjoy. We're here for one life, uh, you know, and we say we live two lives, but you've actually only got one, and you need to look after yourself and enjoy and have fun because you don't want to just be thinking diet your whole life you want to be thinking I'm enjoying my life it's the last thing we want to hear the word diet yeah of course you're a disability advocate of course we call them here people of determination in the UAE where is disability at the moment where do you want to see it um it's well 25 years ago when I was given the most ugliest leg in the world I said I'm not wearing that Madame Tussauds looks amazing I'm going to make a leg like that so I started developing prosthetics you can see I've got like five inch heels on today. Uh, I'm always holding up my friends with two legs when we you go out dancing. Look fabulous. I and love it. Um, and so I pushed to get the Paralympics on television. Everyone said it's not going to happen. We had two million more viewers than the able bodied Olympics. And then we did that in the Winter Olympics. So it's there. And then the work that Prince Harry's done with the Invictus Games. But that's all from prosthetic development. Everybody said to me, you won't be able to ski. You won't be able to ice dance. You won't be able to do this. So I made legs to make sure I could, and then everybody else could have those legs. And I see the same thing with plant-based. If it's not available, we'll make it. You'll try it, you'll love it, and you'll improve your life. It's exactly the same as we did with prosthetics. An incredible personality there, Heather Mills, who's done uh, so much in her life, an entrepreneur, a charity campaigner, world record holder and Paralympic ski racer. Uh, she's been a model previously, uh, maybe married to a famous Beatle as well. Um, she's done so much in her life, an amazing person to talk to. And don't forget, if you missed any part of that interview or any part of the show today, this week, anytime, you can catch up, you can listen back to the shows. They are all available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. You'll get updated as soon as there are new podcasts available. Uh, keep in touch with the show. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at lifebeats at smc.ae. That's it. Have a, a fantastic weekend and see you back here again, 10 a.m. Sunday morning for more Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse 95. Keeping it local all day, every day.